you gonna do makeup for gay porn? For gay porn? How yeah. much they paying me? Look at him. He already said yes. He didn't say he had to watch the scene. He mm. just doing the makeup. He might watch the scene. I don't know what scope <laughs> business is. I ain't putting them out there. You know my business. Hey, oh, that's crazy. Don't you technically have to watch it to make sure that their make makeup sure, is yeah. standing? Uh, you no, might you have to come in mid-stroke. Put, do the a makeup little, person put on the makeup. No, you do have to do touch. They come in. You got to touch it up. Shoes, yeah, if yeah, my yeah. makeup like get messed oh, up, or, like in the middle of it. Yeah, they gotta like, touch me up. Listen, they paying me a bunch of money. Fuck it. Look at you. I'm doing it. Watching dicks. What's up, what's up, what's up? This is the Chop by T podcast where we give you real, raw, authentic barbershop conversations. I am your host, T. And to the very far right of me, we got my brother, my dear brother, the honorable, the inconquerable, the late, <laughs> Roscoe Gudger. What up, what up, what up? And in the middle, man, we got the thinker, the blogger, <laughs> the teacher, the business person, Kai. Hello. I'm doing pretty good. I'm feeling great, you know. Looking handsome as always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't complain at all. I can't complain at all. Um, listen, I want to get right into it, right? Mm-hmm. Something that we like to do, or we've been trying to do as of late, but we forget because some people we just don't fuck with. I'm gonna be honest. Well, now we fuck with all our guests, don't we? Dang. <laughs> now we fuck with all our guests, okay. right? Here. We do. We, we do. Miss like that. <laughs> yeah. Now look. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> I mean, it may have been one or two we don't fuck with. I'm gonna be honest, one but two. one or two, one or two. We got deep. Matter of fact, bro, can you, we ain't never get kind of no gunshots and no 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 claps. We gave her the claps. I gave her the claps. I two. You want to give her a gunshot? Let's give her a gunshot. <laughs> for Jackson Ten. He, I've been saying he's trying to say you violent, Kai. He's trying to say you violent. Hey, but listen, um, uh, we got somebody on. I've known you now since what 2011. We came in and comments together. Yep. It's been a long time, and uh, I've seen you progress. And what I was saying is something that we believe in on the Child by T podcast is giving people their flowers. I've seen you progress. I was just bragging about you the other day. I said, Sco, I think she graduated in like three years, bro. So don't be intimidated you three know, years? from college. Yeah. Wow, well, it took me six. Let's go. It took you six? It took me six, brother. Damn, but it you didn't have to say it like that either. I'm going to be honest I'm about to say, it would have took me it's nine okay. if I went to MT. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it took you six? Damn, nigga. You ran out of financial aid, didn't it? God damn. <laughs> Listen, I seen worse at Lane, bro. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I done seen career niggas over there. <laughs> you a career undergrad, nigga. Oh, man. You bugged the fuck out. But anyway. Super right. Sorry. Something that we like to do on the Chop by T podcast is give people their flowers. And I just want to say, I see you out here. I'm always watching you. You are the uh, owner of Frequency Beauty, right? Frequency. I got a thick tongue, so it's hard for me to say a lot of <laughs> shit like that. You're the owner of Frequency Beauty. Yes. Uh, you was just telling us off camera that you, can you say it for me? What is it, Squad Leader of? 
Yeah, so I'm oh, a squad, squad leader. leader. Yeah, well, squad, squad leader, leader. Okay, and okay. I'm the director of operations for I Am The List, which is like an umbrella company for Cool Girls Create and a black Shop Black City Tour and some other things. So, yeah. Yeah, dope, dope. A dope, whole lot man. of dope shit going on. You got a whole lot of great stuff going on. We're going to get into all of that as we go. And because... I've known you. That's been a decade. Damn, I know. You old as shit. Don't do that. Don't do it. Okay. I'm okay. still young. It's been like a decade now. And um, let me see. We Well, listen, we ain't got no other way to do this. So I'm going to just have to do it myself. Hold on real quick. Oh, okay. okay. Oh. <laughs> Freak ass. Wait a minute. What's what's going on? What's going on? I was like, oh Lord, what's going on? He said he used to be a stripper back in the day. He didn't left the frame and everything. What's going on? I thought that said flashlight. I was like, hold on, what are we doing? Look at Demo. Yours away. Demon time for me. But anyway, because you know, I've known you for a long time. And I think that you've been out here progressing. I've been watching you every step away. Now I don't know stalker shit either. You know what I mean? But you're a teacher and I got this for you. You can go ahead and open oh, it up if you, you want to. That's from the Chop by T podcast. Oh, y'all so- yeah, merch take too long to come. So. Yeah, take too long. Look, I'm going to rip this box on there. Yeah, we got that for you. And if it's a flashlight, just let it be a flashlight. Oh, look at y'all. Uh, but yeah, we got that for you because. Let, let me make sure, show, say, make sure you hold me, that up so people can yeah. see that. Hold on, that is so sweet. You got to put your hand behind it like the influencers do. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. This is so sweet. That's from us because a lot of the time uh, teachers don't get. The recognition that nah, they deserve. They don't. You know, y'all don't get. I feel like teachers should make six figures. They should get hey. ultimate. Bro, they you know, so benefits. undervalued, bro. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, you te- know, I'm not teaching next year. You're not teaching. No, I fuck gotta- them kids. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still gonna be working with the kids, but I got a promotion. So now oh. I'm gonna be coaching teachers. That's dope. Out in the Nashville area. So at my at my school, I'll gotcha. be an instructional coach. Um, over the English department and okay, okay. basically making sure we have good teachers in front of our kids, especially our black kids now. So yeah. helping develop better teachers. Absolutely. So I'm excited absolutely. to progress into the next part of my career. And it's um it's a public school, right? Yeah, it's I work teacher. for a charter school though. A charter school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well listen, I wanna get right into it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know I already said a lot, you know, you're from Jackson and everything, but anything from, you know, early on that you want to tell the people about or whatever that you feel like worth mentioning? Oh, no? uh, I mean you covered it. I'm Kai. You yeah. know. You was also it's a different dynamic as well because you uh you were you grew up in Jackson, but yeah. you went to a, a private school, right? So I went to I was in public school up until middle school, um, and then I got offered a scholarship and went to USJ, University School of Jackson, and then after middle school, I went to Madison. So that was a different route, I guess, than a lot of people who mm-hmm. live in Jackson, but ultimately, it had its pros and cons. Yeah. It had its pros and cons, you know. Um, there are some things that I wish I could have done differently back then, but then also there are some things that it really helped prepare me. So, eh, you know, USA and Madison, I mean, you ain't a lot of, a lot of us. Yeah, like, yeah. You know? yeah. So, so that, that played a big part in learning to navigate a lot of challenges, especially as like a person of color, well, a black person. I don't really 
like the person of color thing, but as a black person, and especially a black young girl, so that was a challenge, you know. But it's cool. We here now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to look down upon uh, private school kids. <laughs> I don't know why. I used to oh, do that, I know, though. I know. I, got, I, I, was, I wasn't even taught that. I used to do it. I don't yeah. know why. I guess I was jealous. Yeah. You that's know, what me for me. That's what it was. It's funny because that was a big part of things like for me growing up. Um, and people always thought, "Oh, you stuck up, or you think you yeah, better." And I'm like, "Little do y'all know, I came from the same type of neighborhoods right. that y'all did." Mm-hmm. And honestly, we didn't have money either. It was just I got the scholarships, yeah. and my yeah. mom was like, "I want this to be an opportunity for you," uh, yeah. so she took advantage of it. But Mark. Yeah, you know, it was just one of those things where it comes with a lot of preconceived notions that people think about you. And I don't really blame people for that because, especially if you know, like, how our communities are and things, it looks a certain way. Yeah. But it did make me feel a certain way because I'm like, man, I'm I'm just like y'all. Right, like, right. you know, I ain't no different than anybody else. So I guess I always wished I could have went because it was hard for me to learn in, in public school because there's so many other kids there. Yeah. And I got distracted. Easily, so I feel like if I was in uh, a class with like lesser people, yeah, I'd retain more knowledge and yeah. retain more information. I will say it definitely helped as far as like the classroom part and education and things like that, but it's a whole nother side when you one of three black people in the school. <sighs> I'm already in school, you know, like it seems like oh, it's so great, but when you are the token black kid, yeah. they want you to. It almost feels performative. They want you to, oh, you can dance. Let me see this dance move. See me this dance move. Or, oh, you athletic. Let's do this. And that's only the focus. And I'm like, little do y'all know, I'm not here on athletic scholarship. Right. You know, like, it ain't got nothing to do with that. So it's a lot of um, microaggressions that you deal with. And at that age, I didn't really, I knew how I felt, but I didn't recognize it as microaggressions. When you got older, you was like, damn. But looking back at it, looking back at it, I'm like, Folks was playing in my face. Yeah. Like, yeah. Y'all really was playing. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's different now, especially in today's age. You know that's so much in our culture right, right. now, like right. the racial tension, the microaggressions, you know, diversity, inclusion, all that kind of stuff. And so you can really look at it from a different lens. And it's just like, oh, this has been going on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been an experience for me. So, But I can tell it helped a lot because even when, uh, if you remember, we uh, – we took that one biology class together our freshman year Sheesh. with that guy. What was his name? You buy that? That was his man. I, can, saying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, but we took that class, and I can remember like you know, even with the curve, me and like John Morgan making like sixteens on the test and stuff like Damn. that. <laughs> yeah, bro, it was crazy. Now that class was hard. It was hard. It that was. was hard. But you know, even with that, I could just tell that y'all was so much. You know, well, you specifically was so much uh, more advanced in regard in those regards than us. We just weren't prepared at all. You know, so. I think it had its perks, too, you know? It did. I would also say, I would argue in my case, my mom had a lot to do with that. Gotcha. So, I come from a family of educators. So, my grandma was a teacher. A lot of people, if you're from Jackson, you went to Tigrid or North Parkway. They all know who my grandma is. And then my mom did um, college-level education, too. Gotcha. So, from a very young age, my mom was working on academic stuff with me. Um, So, I think... It's more so about, like, the approach that you have and, you know, how much. I don't. I honestly don't know how my mom did it because she was a single parent of three, but she was very intent on making sure we had certain things starting in the house first, and then it just kind of, like, 
it was, you know, I could build upon it with the education from like the private school and stuff. So, I, you know, I give them some credit because like technical stuff as far as how like school works, I feel like, and I, I feel like I can say this because I'm a teacher. School is really more so about learning the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, anybody can look good on paper. Anybody can look like they know what they're doing. But if you know the system and you know how to like navigate the system, you can be successful. And I, I teach my kids like, of course, academics are important, but do you know how to navigate this this system, this game that we have to play? Um, and so it's kind of different, but yeah, it helped. It definitely like when it comes to things like test taking, like SAT, ACT type things, it definitely helped in that, in that aspect. But some of the things that I wish were different, a lot of the cultural aspects, you know, I have black family. So of course that, but like being surrounded by it with like my friends and things like that, those were experiences that I missed out on that I really wasn't able to cultivate until I got to college the way I wanted to. So it's pros and cons. I, I wouldn't, me personally, when I do choose to have kids, I won't be putting them in private school. It'd be public school. Mm-hmm. It'd be public yeah, school. I said this, me and Roscoe Absolutely. was talking about that the other day. Or a charter school mm-hmm. or um, something that I really want to see more black people do is like homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. And like, I think there's a misconception with homeschooling um, that your kids won't have the social aspect, but you can do like homeschool co-ops where multiple families are homeschooling their kids, but they like do it together and things like that. And then there are still opportunities for sports and stuff now. Yeah. So Especially I think like that's AAU and stuff like yeah. that too. Yeah. Yeah. But there are even like, there are ways around it to where you can have your kids play in leagues against public schools and stuff. But a lot of people don't know that because yeah. the research I didn't is not, even know that. Yeah, yeah the research is not as prevalent as people, you know, would want it to be. So it's a lot of things to explore. You talked about um, something. Go ahead, Dima. No, nah, I was just gonna say, what, why do you think people don't have access to that to that knowledge, like about knowing about homeschooling and different stuff like that, or even the yeah. the negative perception? Where do you think that comes from? Um. So I mean, ultimately, everything ties back to like s- systematic racism, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and systemic racism. So there, and that's two different things. But ultimately, like if you look at how things were hidden from us or things were, you know, we were oppressed in a way. And it's not an excuse because I think we're at a point now where we can do the research ourselves, but ultimately like that knowledge wasn't, we didn't have those opportunities. Um, Private school wasn't an opportunity. We were given a certain level of education. That's what we had to go with. And so, and even as a teacher, I, I go back and forth because I'm not the type of teacher that feels like, college is the only way I definitely don't believe Mm. in that and I think it's really important especially when since I work with black kids to understand what your options are Um, but that's just a knowledge that wasn't shared with us we just weren't given that those opportunities and then especially like you know we all have seen those kids that were homeschooled when we were young and they a little socially awkward so you know so everybody was looking at them like why you running around like that like what you got going on but it's it's really Ultimately, I just think there, at this time, there's a more innovative way to do it that could actually be way more beneficial and actually teach us how to not only excel academically, but like to teach kids how to know themselves as people and how to operate in society and how to build on their community and support one another. And I, that's a like a component that I think we're missing, especially black people. That's you know to me that's most important because. 
we create and set the standard for everything yeah. in this world, yeah. but we get the short end of everything yeah. in this world. And I think the main thing is we have to stop seeking validation from this world and focus on ourselves um, and cultivate community and culture within ourselves. And that's not being instilled in a school system that wasn't created for us. So hopefully with black teachers like me and, and there, I mean, there are allies too that are good, but to be able to teach those things while we're in the public system. But ultimately I think there are other options that parents can explore. So. Um, you spoke about your mother earlier um, that she was um, a big influence in regards to just, you know, education and everything like that. She's yes. also a businesswoman, right? Yes, she is. Yeah. And uh, what is it exactly that she does? Yeah. So my mom has Mary Alice Cakes, which is the one of the first, I think it is the first black owned cakes, cake mix company. Oh. So if you see like Duncan Hines or Pillsbury Cake Mix, now we have Mary Alice Cakes. And Mary Alice is named after my great, great aunt who I had the pleasure of growing up with, um, she was known in Jackson for her baking. And so my mom used to own a bakery, and all of our recipes were passed down, a lot of them from my Aunt Mary Alice. Um, But now she is getting ready to, you'll be able to buy her cake mix on Target's website. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Did a little snooping. Yeah. Yeah. She'll be on Target's website. Really it's in soon. it's in stores now already, right? So no, she sells it. She's okay. pretty much oh. yeah, one woman show. Like she's mm-hmm. got a manufacturing everything. Um, but now it'll be Target, and now she's got some other vendors who are looking into picking her up. So if you can, could you uh, give Demo the information to where people can get it from now? If they yeah. want to just buy, so we can just add it in. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, um, uh, MaryAliceCakes.com, and so you can order it, have it shipped right to you, and it like I'm not, of course I'm biased, but I also am the type of person, if it ain't good, I ain't going to tell you about it. It literally tastes like homemade cake. So you can trick people, make you some, take it to work. Read my mind. Yeah. (laughs) They'll think think you did it from scratch. They really will. People have been saying that since they've been trying it. We haven't had any bad reviews. So it's been pretty good. The homemade cake, it hit different. Mm -hmm. It does. Look at you. Yeah, my grandma used to make homemade Uh cake. Yeah. (laughs) And so she's getting ready. I do. <laughs> Can't you tell? <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> me too, bro. I like cakes. I'm a cake guy. What type of cakes you like? Same sexual brother. I don't, know <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to do over there. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, that's what type of cakes you like, bro. Crazy. Y'all you real freaked out. I was waiting on it. I knew it was coming. It only took y'all 17 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> but listen, I see, I want to say this because the reason I even brought your mother up because mm-hmm. is that where you get your business sense from? Definitely. Okay. Absolutely. Like yeah. my whole, well, my whole family. It's so funny because and like. It kind of goes with what I said earlier. Like college is not the only way because I come from a family of college educated people. My mom actually has like three degrees. She uses none of them. And that's just, it just shows that whatever you're passionate about, you can truly take what you're passionate about and turn it into something that can be your livelihood. Right. You don't have to do what everybody else expects you to do to be successful. And so like my aunt, same with her. She was doing things for years, and now she's, like, one of the top real estate people in Atlanta. And she just, like, we, we're not afraid to do career changes, and we're not afraid to try what we think is going to work for us. And so 
that's just pretty much like, especially the women in my family, that's the mindset that's that they yeah. all have. So yeah. it was kind of, you know, for me, it's always been encouraged. If this is how you feel, that's what you need to do. Have you ever did like a ancestry.com or anything? I have. Uh, what's, I have. what's your, what, what's your background? Oh, so, a lot of it was like West Africa. West African. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, can be expected. There was some native American, um, there was like two percent white. Always. Fuck. I listen. And then um, I mean, there was a little bit of everything in there, mm-hmm. but the highest percentage is like West Africa. African. Yeah. That's why I just um, I'm curious about like where where does that come from? Um, do you know like your lineage uh, past? Like your great? Did you say great great aunt? Do you know anything past that? Yeah. So like, so I mainly know like my mom's side because um, my dad wasn't in my life. So like. Most of the tracing that I have, my mom's side has done a really good job of, like, keeping track of things. And it's really funny because, you know, I think there's something a lot of black people love to say, like, ah, you know, I'm part Indian. You know, we love to say that. (laughs) But I think there's something important to really look into that because I think a lot of people also don't know that there are black people that were native to America. Right. And so it comes, that comes from something like, Mm -hmm. we're not really just saying if you actually were to do your lineage somewhere down the line, it really is. And so I know like my, I don't know how many grace it is, but like my great, great, great grandmother, she was full native American. Um, and that's my grim on my grandfather's side. Um, but you know, I'm really trying to, what I've been doing lately is trying to piece my whole family tree together and trace it back as far as I can. And that's a, you don't realize how big of a process that is. It is. I've tried It's a, failed. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a very tedious process because you got to find, like, you know, connect the dots. And especially us, a lot of our history has been erased. Yeah. We don't have that, mm-hmm. you know, access mm-hmm. to it. So it's a lot of work. Um, but yeah, I'm, and, and I'm, even in census, like because of like uh, Jim Crow laws and stuff like that, it, when they counted census, a lot of time they didn't count us or we just didn't get included. Just right. again goes back to what you right. said, systematic racism. So I I know that you know intimately because I've tried myself. Yeah. So, but uh, some I want to, the reason I'm even asking you about your your history and your <laughs> background and all this is because I want to know like you know where did this this business mindset come from? Obviously, you got it passed down to your mother, and you own a biz a couple businesses you're a part of besides that. Well, frequent uh, frequency beauty. Yes. I talked about that. Mm-hmm. So, what is that? What is frequency beauty? Yeah. So. Uh, everybody knows I've always been like a beauty enthusiast. You're a model too, right? Yeah, so that's where it came mm-hmm. from. You know, modeling and makeup, you have to get used to. Like, I do my own shoots sometimes, my own creative directing, so I had to learn how to do my own makeup because when you on the come up, you can't always afford a makeup artist. So, so it was like I had to, I started playing around in makeup and I really love like lip gloss and lipstick. That was the starting basis for me. Um, so I, I wanted to start my own brand, but for me, I have very sensitive skin. So a lot of the stuff was breaking me out. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I'm a girl. Like I'm a girly girl too. Like right. I want to be cute, but I can't wear this stuff. And I wanted a brand that could be safer. So I needed a company that could help me make a product that could eliminate a lot of the ingredients. Once I started researching that were harmful to skin, but not just that, a lot of people don't realize, like, as people, like, your skin is your largest organ. Your skin right. is technically an organ. Mm-hmm. Anything that you put on your skin is absorbed directly into your bloodstream. 
So things like sulfates and phthates and all these chemicals that we put into our skin is actually not good. So right. the cool thing about my beauty line is those things are not included and it's mineral based. Um, it's got like all the oils that you would want, vitamin E, vitamin A, like everything that you would want. And it's just a safer option for you that you can have like luxury beauty products without feeling like you're compromising your health. Yeah. And so that was the biggest thing for me that people, anybody could use it, but it's still high quality. It's still luxury. Um, and you can be conscious. And so I'm very big on consciousness as far as health in general. And so like the thank you cards that I use are biodegradable. You can actually plant them and they'll grow a plant for you. Really? Yeah. And then That's I also, dope. I That's give dope. crystals to everybody cause I'm really big on crystals and collecting crystals. So I try to pray and meditate on each of my customers and, Whatever I think they need, like, I'll give them a crystal aligned with what I think they need. And so it's just about being tying everything. I think it's important, like, whatever your spiritual beliefs are or your personal beliefs, I feel like everything you do should be tied into that. And so this is a beauty line for me to tie everything together. So what you're telling me is Sco can use this makeup. I mean, <laughs> so listen, I'm listen, coming out with yeah. some men's products soon. Yeah. No. The day I put on some makeup. Terry, you don't have a penis. <laughs> I'm going to tell, tell you like this. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Whoa. Chop it off, then. About I'll that. never put on no makeup. You're going to put on some and makeup. Scott men put on makeup I when they on, t- on they ESPN. On TV, they put yeah, makeup they on. Listen, they they put makeup on. No Your makeup. favorite analyst put no makeup. Listen, I ain't going for it. <laughs> I had a now, bad experience with makeup. you famous, you're going to have to. I had a bad experience. You had a bad experience. But yeah. you just said you would never put on makeup. No, let me tell you what happened. This girl came over one she yeah. caught you. She caught you putting it on. No. He just, bro, he just continued to expose himself on his podcast. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I gotta hear this story. Where this is going? This girl came over one time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, she spent the night, and then you know the next day she left. I had like white sheets. Uh, she got up. It was makeup everywhere. She didn't wash her face. Listen, dirty women, dirty. That's, that's what I'm talking just, about, Scott. You like them like that. Listen, it made me despise women that wear makeup for a Damn. long time. Dang. Despise? That's, that's strong. strong. Yes. Cause she listen. didn't know. Maybe she didn't know that you're supposed to wash sheets. the makeup off. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> them was his favorite sheets. I was, oh, I was like, you know, you know how you be young and stupid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But you know, but she she messed up my sheets. I was mad. I was mad. So know. what would you say to a person like Sko who <laughs> <laughs> we need some education. This is an education podcast. Uh-huh. Who says I like women better with no makeup? So, so I said that. I, like I mean, basically, just now. it was an implication. I mean, yeah. it's basically what he said, right? Am Damn, Skull, he just twisted everything. <laughs> Am I tripping? Am I? Tripping? Am I, tripping? I said I used to despise. Okay, women. used to. You speaking yeah. past? Fix it up, Skull. Fix it up. I feel like it's current, but whatever. It's, okay, <laughs> right. this man is. Crazy. You know, it's a it's a choice though. Mm. I think makeup is is used to enhance. Um, I think everybody uses stuff to enhance themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Let me tell y'all, some of y'all be hat fishing. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. What about hey. the uh, the little chalk hey. shit they put hey. on their line and shit? Y'all be yeah. lying about them lines sometimes. <laughs> you know, you get to them thirties and them things. But what about the hey, hey? If women can do it, the lace fronts. Why can't men do that? You know, I know you say you don't you judge, know, but I'm hey, saying it's the same thing. Lace front. Listen, it better be a snatch. Pop that lace bitch front. off. <laughs> What's up, girl? <laughs> <laughs> it better be snatching. You better not be in public embarrassing me. That thing better not come up. <laughs> I feel like if I'm a wear a lace front, I can't say nothing if a man want to, but I'm look, don't embarrass me. 
Same way men, y'all be knowing now when y'all mm. see the lace, y'all can see it. Yeah, yeah, I don't have to check. check That's my, my only thing. Out. I'm like, at least make it look like, because some of the women with the lace front, it's like a cone. It's like a cone head. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that don't look good right there. When I can tell what it is, <laughs> yeah. it's like. Uh, you ain't even no hair guy. You just know. I just know. <laughs> what the hell is that? The point is the illusion. And that's yeah. why I think a lot of people miss. Like, I don't think it's nothing wrong. You should be able to wear whatever you want to wear. But the point is for it to look like it's yours. Yeah. Hey, and I, if it don't. I did used to want to be a makeup artist, though. Hey. Oh. You got I the did. skills? Well, I don't have the skills. Them now. big fingers. This is revelation, bro. <laughs> but I seen how much money they can make. And they make money. This shit is crazy. They make money. This shit is crazy. And hairstylists. Yep. You yep. can make a wig. Hey, listen. If I knew how to do art, I would be doing it. So you telling me. Yes. <laughs> I. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Yes. Because, uh, okay, yes, all right. He said yes already, right, Demo? He, he said did. yes, Kyle. He we did. all heard yes. Hey. So, this example I'm about to give. I know some men who do it, though. you going to do makeup for gay porn. For gay porn? How yeah. much they paying me? Look at him. He already said yes. He didn't say he had to watch the scene. He mm-hmm. just doing the makeup. He might watch the scene. I don't know what scope <laughs> business is. I ain't putting them out there. You know my business? Hey. Oh, that's crazy. Don't you technically have to watch it to make sure that their make makeup sure. is yeah. standing oh, on? No, you might have to come in mid-stroke, put, do a little. makeup person put on the makeup? No, you do have to do touch They come in, you got to touch it up. Shoots, yeah, yeah, if yeah. my makeup like, get messed oh, up. Or, oh, like in the middle of it? Yeah, they got to touch me up. Listen, they paying me a bunch of money. Fuck it. Look at you. I'm doing it. Watching dicks. You don't care. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with it. The power of the dollar. I'm making six figures. I don't give a damn. Listen, I'm putting that makeup on them. Uh, Kai, I want to go back to what you said. We're going backwards a little bit. But I want to go back to what you were saying about um, kids. Like, you feeling like there's other options except college. Absolutely. And you feeling like there. Because it's so ironic. Me and Ethan, I got my little brother back here with me. Me and him are having that discussion. Yeah. Where it's like the, the feeling of doing what you need to do. Right. You know, to get to where you want to be, because it's not our fault. We have to go to school. It's just something we have to do. Right. But at the same time, as me and T was talking about before that, everybody showed up too. you know, at the same time, chasing what you want to do on the side of that. Mm-hmm. So like you said, your mama got you said three degrees. Mm-hmm. She got three degrees, but she doesn't use any of them because while she was chasing her degree, she was also chasing her business. Right. So I just wanted you to elaborate on that and just, you know, yeah. so he could hear it and, you know, and make sure he retained and all of that. Right. And I, I have two little brothers and I talked to them about this. Um, one goes to TSU and he's studying computer sciences. And then the other goes to FAMU. He plays football. Um, but I think he's studying business. And so it's one of those things where I think the misconception is the only way to be successful is to go to college or get a master's degree or be a doctor or be a lawyer. And those are all amazing things to do. They're all great accomplishments. And if that's the path that you need to take to do what you want to do, absolutely take that. But I think we, especially black people, if we really look at how we operate, and our mindset and what we're truly like innately good at, there are just so many other options for us. Um, I think we lost focus of trade schools. Like yeah. we need barbers and hairstylists and and chefs and plumbers and electricians. Like, and there are people who are passionate about that kind of thing, but we don't focus on it and we don't push it or even show kids that that's an option or. If they want to be an entrepreneur, like, what does it look like to go through the steps to start your own business? Kids doing video games, 
all day, every day. Making but, millions too. And that's what I'm saying. Like there are already kids younger than me making more money than me because they decide to make a YouTube from there. Like times are changing now. Yeah. And there are just so many other ways to do it. But we don't really present those options to students or even like even if they don't want to do a YouTube, you want to be a, a game designer. Like that's a two year certification. You can come out of that making 75K, which most people who go to school for four years and get a master's degree don't hit that. And you can do that in two years. And I just think there are so many options that we just don't put on the table for kids. And that's how you get this cycle of adults who career hopping or which is nothing wrong with that. Because, I mean, it took me a couple times to figure out exactly what I want to do. But like career hopping or just not happy or we see so much depression in our people because they're trying to fit into these standards that were never set for them in the first place. And I think that ultimately that's the biggest thing to understand. Like this is a system that wasn't created for us. So why do we feel like we have to follow it exactly? Now, we may need parts of it, but that's not the path that we have to take or anyone, but specifically us, we have to learn how to create our own direction. And that looks different for everyone. It's not going to be the same for everybody. So I try to tell my students like, okay, I have some that say to me, I don't want to go to college. And any other teacher, Oh no, you you need to go to college. I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to do? That should be the question. That's fine. But what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Like what does happiness look like for you what are you good at do you know your strengths and that's that's where it starts do you even know what you are naturally good at have you created hobbies for yourself because a lot of that starts with hobbies but kids don't have hobbies these days adults don't have hobbies and that's something that's really important to me I think the turning point turning point in my own life was when I found hobbies and some hobbies are just because I enjoy doing it and they give me something to do when I you know, when I was having a job that I didn't love, I had hobbies that I love. And then I learned how to turn those into money or they were just hobbies to keep me happy. And kids don't have hobbies anymore. Like, what are your interests so that you can figure that out? Because you can't figure it out without knowing what you're interested in. So, And we are. We're definitely heading into like a gig economy. I think the beauty of the Internet is that it elim- it's actually eliminating like the corporate structure or right. the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. It. We head into a gig. You can go now and just do things like Uber or Lyft and all of that and still, you know, make a decent living. But also, it's like you said, it's people out here that's making millions and millions of dollars yeah. through doing like these things that we would consider like gigs or right. or whatever. But, yeah, no, I'm that's my thing. That's my biggest thing is business. Mm-hmm. I study it. I enjoy it. I try to look into the future now. And, and I think it's very important, especially for like peop- uh, my son, for example, to just give him that. You know, and by that, I mean, just give him like that, that uh, I think Kanye got it and he do it the best, Mm -hmm. that foresight to be able to look into the future Mm -hmm. and see like, where is this heading? Because the moment and just being honest, just like every other industry, uh, the moment black people started to excel in the industry, it's a lot of things that 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 um, got involved or or put in place to Mm -hmm. make it hard on us. College. College used to be like. Not expensive at all. Right. But now you got these, like, um, these loan companies who essentially, like, they put, like, predatory loan companies. Absolutely. They come in and just, like, prey on these young kids and create this debt for these kids, specifically black kids. But when we start to get involved, that's when you see a lot of this start to happen. Like a huge curveball. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to give Maverick that foresight. And I can appreciate that you as a teacher you know, you're doing that same thing to the to the kids. And now you can do it to te- teach 
teachers as well, you know, to to do better about that. So that's great. I think another big part of that is the emotional side of it, too. Um, And especially in our culture, emotions can be taboo. Like we don't want to explore what it looks like to acknowledge and accept our emotions. But that's a big part of finding out who you are. Um, If you can't be emotionally mature enough to like say this is how I'm feeling then you can't figure out how to navigate and if you can't figure out how to navigate then you can't figure out how to be successful and so of course you know we all know how it is in our culture especially for men and like I I really focus on this with like my black boys being able to advocate for how you feel and and what is making you feel a certain way or saying I need help or I don't understand and not feeling like you're less than because in that moment, that's what it is. Cause that's human. Yep. You're never going to always understand or have everything figured out. But a lot of kids it's passed down. I mean, we as adults do that. And that's something I've had to unlearn. Hmm. I had to learn how to advocate for myself and say, I feel this way or no, or this is a boundary of mine. And not knowing how to do those things, it seems so simple or it seems like we like to say, oh, I'll just do it myself or, oh, it's not that big of a deal or, oh, I'll just ghost them. We see how that really works in our society. Absolutely, (laughs) We see how broken that is. And so my goal is to break that cycle. That's pretty much the reason I went into teaching because I want to break that cycle. I think we could do so much more. And that doesn't mean I've done everything perfect, but over time I've learned like things about myself. And the thing about it is learning things about yourself ain't always fun. Um, It's not always fun. You don't know when you really like get to that point of transparency with yourself. You're like, damn. Not that great. It was me sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did mess up. So you think that's something in schools that they should teach emotional intelligence? Absolutely. Mm. I've been pushing for that heavily in my school. And we finally have those type of systems. Like I have a really supportive school to where I can advocate for certain things and it may not happen right away, but they're open and we work towards those things together. Um, And we're putting those type of social, emotional learning techniques into our, like embedding them into our practice and making it a normal thing. So I used to not ask questions because I was scared. Like Mm -hmm. I was going to look dumb. Yeah. A lot of kids like that. And it, it hurt me in the long run, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, that's why I encourage people to, you know, when kids ask them questions and stuff like that, it's, I always say, like, it's no dumb question. Yeah. You know, especially with kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get a, you're an adult, sometimes people do ask dumb shit. Yeah. You know, especially working and stuff. You see people, that's a dumb-ass question. And it's not even dumb. Yeah. It's just they don't. They don't think before they speak. Right. No, they just don't think before they speak, you know. Right. But even with kids, like in my classroom, I let the kids know I'm going to make mistakes as an adult. Right. Right. And you are too. And this is the place where you should make them because when you leave here, people are going to expect you not to make them. So this is where it's okay. I'm not going to know everything. And when I'm very transparent with my kids, if I don't know, I tell them. I don't know this, but I'll figure it out and I'm going to get back to you. And that makes them comfortable enough to say, like, Miss Prude, I don't know. Yeah. And we can work through it together. But then I think I think another part of it is, and you know, this is taboo in our culture, allowing kids to question adults. Yeah. yeah. You know, we don't allow that. Hell nah. You question an adult, you disrespectful off the rip. 
<laughs> it's just disrespect. <laughs> Even if you are genuinely like you genuinely want to know the, know right. the answer, you disrespectful. And that's something that I'm trying to break with my students, too. If they question me on something, I check myself and check my emotions. And I think it boils down to ego. That's ego. We want power. Right. So like if they question me on something, well, why I got to do this? Well, as an adult, if, if my boss tell me to do something and I don't understand why they telling me to do it, I'm like, why you want me to do that? Yeah. So I, I, I think it's unfair of us to not expect kids to be the same way. So if a kid asks me that, I'm like, you know what? This is why I want you to do this. I need you to trust me to understand that as as an authoritative figure, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that's not safe right. or not good for you. Right. But here's the rationale. If I want rationale as an adult, kids deserve, deserve that too. And Absolutely. so creating that culture, um, it can be tricky because I've had to work with some parents with that. Because they feel like, well, my teacher lets me question them, so they go home. So yeah. then they get in trouble at home. <laughs> and I had to explain, you know, I have to have really transparent relationships with my parents and explain the rationale. Like, if you don't allow your children to question you, then they're going to go and become adults that question nothing. And now they're followers. Yeah. Robots. Get ran over. They're followers. That's real. Point. That's real. They're so followers. Like that. And you That's have real. to allow them a safe place to, like, grow. And if you're not doing it at home, then they're not going to do it when they get outside of your home. And so it's it's just one of those things where it's a lot of cultural things that we do that I understand come from oppression, um, and not and we literally live in a survival mode. And so that's why we do a lot of the things. But now that you know, I know better. I try to hold myself accountable and yeah. hold others accountable. So absolutely. Absolutely. Um, some, I want to go back to the emotional intelligence thing. Mm -hmm. um, I was watching a podcast the other day. Right. And it talked about, uh, they was talk, they were talking about tough love. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it got me thinking, um, should love be tough? Is it a such thing as tough love? First of all. And if so, should love be tough? I think love should be accountable. I don't think it has to be tough. Accountability may feel uncomfortable, but right. I don't think it has to be tough. Um, I think we have this misconception that we think we're holding people accountable, but really, like, it goes back to that ego thing. I'm in control, yeah. or I want to control this narrative, or it should go this way because I feel it should go this way. And that goes with any type of relationship, like platonic friendships, romantic relationships, business partnerships. It's a... It's a really thin line between control and accountability. Right, right. And so I think that's where the, the tough love comes from. I think a lot of the tactics that we use to teach our children things are actually in a way, and this is, this is going to sound really harsh, but abusive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds no. really harsh, but when you look at it, like in retrospect, it's, it's abuse. But that's because we've been in systems of abuse and we mm -hmm. don't always recognize things as that type of power struggle. Yeah. But that's what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. And so there are ways like I am not easy on my students. Mm -hmm. They know when they come in my classroom, you in here to work. Mm -hmm. I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone. I am going to make you do things that you're not used to. But I do that because I would rather you fail here with me than get outside of this classroom and fail and it be used against you. Absolutely. So to me, tough love is really about preparation. Yeah. 
is more preparation for what you're going to actually encounter. And if you don't handle the situation right, what tools can I give you to navigate better on your own? How can I help you learn how to do this on your own? And I think it's about providing the tools. To me, tough love is providing the tools and going through like being a guide and holding a kid's hand as they fail because they're going to fail. But how can I help you get back up from that failure? Yeah. yeah. I think uh, just me and Roscoe, we got a situation with uh, one of our close friends that we've been dealing with. And it's been one of those situations where we've been providing tough love. And and that that is what made me think about it, because Mm -hmm. a lot of time I I catch myself uh, doing what, you know, people in the street or coming up as, as a young kid, because I didn't mm-hmm. have my father either, so I did lean heavy on, like, those type of individuals, right. the OGs or whatever. So I find myself doing a lot of the stuff to him that they did to me, and yeah. I think, like, man, like, am I being too hard? Am I? Is it abuse? Is yeah. it me going to? Because I think, and I like the way you put it, because you said you kind of just opened my eyes to so there's just accountability. Accountability sometimes can be uncomfortable, and you can be stern, Yeah, but it's just... It can it's a boundary, it's levels to it. You right. can't overstep and, and it turn into that that. So yeah, no, I can appreciate that. Yeah. And and providing the tools for somebody, but also understanding that like, um, I read this quote, you can you can experience people but you can't control them. Absolutely. Right. So like you can provide the tools, you can mm-hmm. provide the knowledge, but you also have to be okay with the fact that they may not do it the way you said to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you yeah. have to be okay with that. Yeah. And you have to also, if it's somebody that you love, you have to be okay with the fact that they chose not to do what you said. But they might come back and be like, "I need your help again." Yeah. Right? What do you do then? Say fuck them. <laughs> and you know, that's some, probably what's going to do. <laughs> not me though. I love everybody. I had to get better about that because oh me, I swear he lied. So is he? Is he? He lied. He the one. Say fuck a motherfucker quick Yeah so, uh, Yeah I'd be like fuck them folks <laughs> For real nah, though bro. And then that used to be me I used to be like you know what I told you what to do That was yeah, on you Sometimes you can only say because, so much Yeah and it's yeah. levels to it too though Kai Because It, it, it depends on what the situation exactly. is Exactly Because sometimes them coming back Is just disturbing your peace again And you just be like Nah I can't continue right. to take Absolutely Because you have the right to create boundaries yeah. you, you absolutely have the right to create boundaries So like for me my learning curve was what are my boundaries? Mm. You have to have a clear set of boundaries to know when a person is taking advantage of it. If you don't know your boundaries, you can't determine whether or not you're not giving grace or, you know, you're just being rude. You know, you can't really determine that. So I think it became easier for me when I was able to determine what my boundaries were. And then it's like, all right, you just don't want to listen. So I respectfully say, I love you. Mm. I'm here for you if you absolutely need me. But, this is disturbing my peace at this point. Once it feel like, once I start feeling like I'm talking to a wall, like yeah. it's, it's over. With. Right. It's over. With. Like Absolutely. it's nothing else to talk about. Right. You're gonna be this way. It is what it is. Because the person ultimately has to want to change themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can provide you the insight and the knowledge that I've gained, and that doesn't mean I'm an expert. It doesn't mean my way is the only way. But I mean, I can provide a perspective, mm-hmm. um, and you can choose to take it. Right. Or you don't have to take it. And that's your choice. Everybody, like, I, I tell my students all the time, I'm a firm believer in choices. You can choose whatever you want to choose. But understand that every choice comes with some type of consequence. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to be okay with whatever consequence follows the choice that you make. So when my students tell me, well, I don't want to do my homework, I'm like, okay. 
See you next year. I'm, I'm, <laughs> and I tell them, I'm like, do you understand the consequence of not doing your homework? And, you know, if they can name it for me and they're okay with it, I'm like, you know what? This is your choice. And I said, but be, you know, be prepared if your parents ask to explain that to them. Because, you know, I'm, I keep in contact with my parents. So if they ask me, I'm like, well, this is what they said. Yeah. Have you ever had a, a student that you just could not reach? It was just, it just wasn't responding to you? Um, I won't say there's one I couldn't reach. I will say there have been some that is taking to the end of the year. They chip away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It takes some time. And the ones with the black forces. Sorry, this ain't no shot at you either. <laughs> Listen, and then black forces, I ain't saying follow the stereotype, but uh, all stereotypes come from some shit. <laughs> Not for real, though. But, yeah, it's I've definitely had some challenging kids because – the demographic of students that I work with is like inner city Nashville. Mm. So I tell people where I work, I ain't going to say it on here, but I tell mm. people where I work. <laughs> and whenever I say the name, the response every time, if they're from Nashville, they go, Oh, <laughs> 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 or it'll be something condescending. Like, oh, do, do you, do you like that? Do you like working there? As Demo. <laughs> Demo. Demo did that. It slipped out by accident when Curtis and I was on here. It was, yeah. it was an accident. It's natural though, like she said, it's just natural. You like, oh, okay. like, oh okay. <laughs> and you know, that's part of the reason I continue to work there. Um because those are the kids who typically won't get their chance. Yeah. And ultimately, who's going to understand them better than somebody who looks like them? Yeah, right. And it's been through similar yeah, things. Yeah, of it and you know, in it. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, I tell them all the time. And I'm very transparent with them about my upbringing, my experiences now. Because I think that's where another thing we do. We hide so much as adults Amen. from kids. Mm-hmm. And then wonder why they don't know anything when they become adults. Yeah, that'd be so yeah. naive. Yes, yeah, so down. naive, so naive. And I'm like, there are just certain things that we have to understand, especially in today's time. You may not want to talk about it, but if you don't, if you don't talk about it, trust and believe they done found it out at school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Y'all shark, would be surprised. sharks out here and parents be making their kids food. Yeah. Like, for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Y'all would be surprised if I told y'all. And I teach, well, yeah, I'm not going to be teaching anymore, but I teach sixth grade. So, you would be surprised what those 11 and 12-year-olds know. Yeah. Um, it's the roughest. I used to sub. Fifth and sixth grade. That is the period, right? Like, if you don't have a good bond and relationship with your kids at that age where they can be transparent with you, good luck, you know, (laughs) trying to foster that after that. Because once they hit eighth grade... It ain't no coming back from that. I can believe it. Smo- it no Skull was smoking cigarettes at 11. Yeah, that motherfucker, hey. You was out here doing it like that. <laughs> I can believe it, so shit. Man. It was me. That's what I do. I project a lot of times. <laughs> I was smoking cigarettes at 11. Menthols, uh, Newports. Which yeah, whatever. Yeah, Marlboro. <laughs> Marlboro, yeah. Steal from my uncle. Yeah, whatever I can steal from my Man. uncle and shit. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, ain't you smoking cigarettes for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like. Like a chain smoke or nothing, but whenever I can get them, motherfuckers, hell like, yeah! Like, I used to have I to know sit your in. lungs was hurting. <laughs> <laughs> I, used I thought that to, was a good thing. I used to have to sit in class with this uh this guy. I had worked for this company, and they uh it was kind of like assistant living, but I you know, and they used to have me sit in class with him. When I tell you, it was like uh this was like fifth grade. 
Those kids were terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It was a white lady. She could not control (laughs) their room. It was was black kids. I seen the black girl get up. You know, she, the ladies were asking to do something. She was like, "Bitch, I'm tired of this shit." <laughs> that ain't funny. Nah, that's and funny. Funny. Out. That's and definitely funny. Out. I had an incident like that this year. Damn. You been called out of your name by oh, kids? I've, I've had a kid, but they hands on me. Like, yeah, same, same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the incident this year, it was me and another teacher, and the kid got into it with another kid. So at that point, he basically was like boxing out the other kid, a little kid, like uh, trying to protect himself. <laughs> so at that point, we trying to break it up and get the kid to the office. It's the end of the day. I'm like, you wait till the end of the day, do all do this. this. Yeah. So he get mad. Um, he gets so mad and. Calling the other teacher all kinds of bitch ass niggas and cussing him out, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, "Come on, you gotta go to the office." Yeah, and he start saying, "I don't give a fuck, bitch." Like I said, "Oh, I got your bitch." Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like yeah, cussing me, cussing me out. Um, told me he was gonna have his sister come with my ass. Damn. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, and you know, you, and as a teacher, you gotta be real careful the yeah, kind of yeah, stuff you say yeah, back. Yeah. So I'm like, I tell people all the time, teaching ain't as cute as you think it is. Like yeah, you gotta no. have another level of self control. And I'm like, you know what it feels like to have somebody threaten your life and you can't say nothing back? Because mm-hmm. on the inside, I'm like, please tell your sister, <laughs> right? Like, Where that bitch day. at? <laughs> you, you know, Ten like, told I'm here every day. <laughs> Three period. To 3.30 okay? he hit you Like Pull that'll be up. That'll be hard for me Yeah and it's like Yeah, yeah that student Didn't hit me oh, But I've man. had another uh, Another student Yeah twice In my teaching career mm. And it went like They hit me it went, yeah. I probably would Lost my job mm. But Put their hands on me yeah. Like or Like if I take a phone Grabbing me Trying mm. to get it back Like mm. that type of stuff And you know That's And I don't like to say that Because it's not The case all the time Right um, But there are those instances That that has happened but even in those instances, I'm able to reconcile with those students because yeah. you understand. You understand. They're only a product of what they know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if they haven't been taught how to handle conflict or how to handle their emotions, we see adults do it. Right. So you, we don't we don't explicitly teach kids those things. And then we expect them to know how to control their emotions. That's un- that's unreasonable. Like so, and I think that's the problem with teachers and even coaches because mm-hmm. I, I coach football. It's like you beat down the kid, but you, then you don't come back and explain why you did what you did. Right. So I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure y'all can relate. Ethan, what you doing, dog? I'm sure y'all can relate, uh, Sco and, and Roscoe or Sco and T. Mm-hmm. When y'all was in football, y'all might have been doing a. We used to have to roll down the hill, uh, yeah. like or do some dumb exercise, mm-hmm. but then. Nobody explains why you did it. Like, why are we yeah. doing it? It's like, why are we doing this? So, like you said, coming back and reconciles how you build trust mm-hmm. and how they learn. Okay, like you said, there are consequences for you. For every action, there's a consequence. Right. So, yeah. yeah, and like, like, like that goes back to what I said earlier. The rationale, right? Oh, I want you to write this essay on this topic. That seems simple, right? Your teacher told you do it, do it. No. Yeah. Why am I writing this essay? Right. Why am I even motivated to do this? And that's why I think a lot of teachers mess up. They don't get why they're supposed to write. So I teach you to write because there is not one job that you're going to do, even if you're working in fast food, that there's not going to be some level of literacy in writing. I'm so glad I got my own, still get money with the If there's a time where somebody's doing you wrong, you have to be able to advocate for yourself. You learn how to do that through writing. You know, if 
you're asked to do a speech in honor of your parents, you got to know how to write. If you do go to college, you're going to be writing every yeah. single day. Yeah. Right. Like it's explaining that it's explaining that even if you do go to a trade school, you typically have to do some type of writing exercise to get into that school, to get accepted into the program. But honestly, what it boils down to is you got to not express yourself. Yeah. If you can't put into words what's important to you, why is it going to be important to me? Absolutely. And so, I tell them we practice doing that through our exercises at school. And so I have to put some type of rationale or some type of explanation behind everything because kids deserve that. You can't expect them to grow up to be free thinking adults if you're not allowing them to ask questions and providing them a rationale, which is why we get into jobs and we know the stuff is wrong, but we don't say nothing because we just like, I don't know what to say because we don't know how to speak. We don't know how to write. We don't know how to advocate. Something that I, uh, one of my favorite books. At this point, he should be paying me too. I done DM'd him like 12 times. <laughs> this motherfucker need to respond. <laughs> he responded to Gladwell. No, he won't respond, bro. I don't know what his issue is. Like, But I'm going to tag him too. Right. Next time. <laughs> and we do this as a clip. But talking to strangers about Malcolm Gladwell. And it's just essentially what the, the, I don't know if you ever read the book, but the premise of the book is just pretty much just being able to see things from other people's perspective. And I think mm-hmm. you got that down pack and that's yeah. key to what you, you know, to success in what you're doing now, because if you can understand the different sides to why that young boy is, you know, so aggressive or why this girl just cursed this, cursed this teacher out and why this teacher responded in this way, I think that that can, um, um, the result of that will be a lot of success. But something that I do want to ask you, because we don't talk about a lot of issues and we also talk about, you know, how to solve those issues right. is something that Sko talk about a lot, which is the, the, the remedy to all of this is love. Just love Absolutely. and being nice. Absolutely. Yeah. I I myself don't think it's just that simple a lot of the times. I think it it, it takes a level of understanding too. And other yeah. other elements to that. Yeah. Um, I think love is a basis of everything. Right. Right. So like one of my mantras is do everything from the frequency of love. So that doesn't mean that I eliminate the action behind it. But if my action is not backed up by love it's probably not gonna be successful i love what i do i'm gonna get further in what i'm doing right or i love this person i'm going to treat them better or i just want to be kind which is love then i'm going to be able to influence more people so like that's the basis of everything but with anything there has to be actions that follow it yeah you know like but it should it should always be when i say the frequency which is kind of how like the name of my business came about it's the energy that you Mm. exude right so everything that i do and we're human so you ain't always gonna be loving you ain't always Mm. gonna feel happy and you ain't always gonna handle things the best way but how do you come back from that and the focus of that is love so like what do i do to bring myself back to a frequency that is kind and patient and you know compassionate and helpful and i think we don't a lot of people don't think about things from that lens so i always say you know as long as you're leading with love nothing you do will come from like malice intent exactly yeah Yeah. exactly just lead with love you know Mm -hmm. and demo uh pops had that conversation at um we was having dinner i don't even remember where it was but me and demo pops was having that conversation uh, because I wrote my when I wrote my other book to be human, a part of it was love, and I I kind of I I said that like that you know 
love is the key. Love is the answer. And he asked me a question. And I since then, I, I thought about it, like, a lot. And it was like, is it that simple, though? Yeah. Is it just that simple uh, of love? And I thought about it, and I thought about it. And I think it, it kind of made me come to the conclusion, like, yeah. Because in my, my thinking in the beginning, it was just love. Just lead with love. Just love people, love people. But like you just said, it's levels to it, and it takes action, and it takes other things. Right. But love is the basis. So I can agree with that. And it's kind of like, you know, like. I tell people all the time, even like relationships, love is not enough. Yeah. I can be madly in love with somebody, but if I'm not putting the work in, we stagnant. Yeah. Right. And that's, I know at our age, that's something we all probably either have had to learn or, you know, in the process of learning, because it's one of those things where you're like, well, I love you. That ain't enough. (laughs) And I'm like, no, because I have needs. Just like you have needs. To me, yeah, I can love you, but love is also an action. So, like, what does that give and take look like? What does that work look like? What do those steps look like? And that goes towards anything. Like, of course, it's easy to use relationships as an example because we all understand that. But with work, you know, something I had to accept about myself was I've always, like, naturally been good at just picking up on stuff easily, right? Like, it's just... Oh, I want to learn this. I'm going to do it. Mm. But what good is that if I'm not like cultivating the craft? Yeah. So, yeah, I love what I do. But, girl, you still in the same place. What what good is that love if, if you're not putting in the work? Right. And that's why I think a lot of people get it mixed up. Like, yeah, love is your foundation. But if you ask any successful married couple. And they name what like what has made them successful. They're definitely going to mention love, but it's a long list of other things that come behind that love. And I think people forget that that is your foundation. That is what you go back to. That is what you lead with. That is not enough for anything, for things you're passionate about, for the people you care about, for your job. None of that. And it's it's a level of, it all goes back to accountability. Are you willing to hold yourself accountable to do more? Are you doing enough? And most of the time, the answer to that most question people is don't. no. <laughs> like, and it's and it's hard to say about yourself. Yeah, I didn't do enough. Like, I reflect back on like my past, like friendships, relationships, jobs, and something I've been really pushing myself to do is to reflect more because that's how I know how to move moving forward. And I look back and like, yeah, there were times where people did me wrong, um, and things didn't play out the way I wanted to. But I'm, I still look back and I'm like. You could have done more too. Yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah, like, like you could have done more. With friendships, relationships, with women and stuff, I look back. All oh, that shit was my fault. Yeah. At some point I could have did something that right. could have stopped it from going to where it went. Exactly. You could have spoken up. Yep. You could have put a little bit more effort here. You could have let this situation go when it really wasn't that important. Like my problem was never saying what needed to be said at that moment. That's a big one. Ariel be on T be on my ass about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to y'all for being honest like that, man. I'm perfect. <laughs> okay. And that's from the bottom of my heart. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, this guy right here. I do right. no wrong. Tell me about the time you spazzed out we all went to jail. Tell me about that. Oh, which, which time? 
<laughs> that was I was going to say, uh, <laughs> do we have time? Do, do y'all got time? <laughs> got a lot of those moments. Uh, and I perfectly done that. So. <laughs> but you know what? I I'm think that's a testament, shit. too. Yeah. You got to feel that way about yourself, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know about the perfect part, but you do got to think you're the best thing, you uh, know. Self evaluations. I learned that in the military. It was many nights that I sat in my bunk and I just had to look and set and be with myself because it, it was no more distractions it wasn't no tv that was running it wasn't a woman that i had beside me it wasn't you know my phone yeah it was just me having to live with myself so so many times that was like some of my darkest moments right there just having to sit and live with myself yep. and figure out how unhappy i really am with myself in the moments so that's that's an ugly period sometimes. it is and it was and i had to do that shit for months you know just yeah. laying there nothing but, you know, something that I came out, something positive that came out of that is that I can be honest with myself and I can, by understanding myself, I can also learn to understand other people and just look at a situation and be like, I know that person and know what they're going through. Right. So. I think we all self-evaluate, though, but we, the the trick is we do it in negative ways sometimes. So there's plenty of times where, like you were saying earlier, Scope, you go back and you like, dang, that was my fault. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we say, well, dang, I I should have I knew I should have cussed them out. Like you start <laughs> thinking about responses that you should have had. Yeah, I've been that, there too. That you, yeah, it's like okay, I'm self evaluating, but I'm doing it in a negative way. So right. there's no basis of love, like you were saying, Kai. So yeah. it's it's like we know how to self evaluate. It's just like, are we cultivating it from a place of love, or are we letting our emotions, the negative emotions, take over? I so. do that sometimes. Be thinking, like, yeah, I let a lot of niggas slide. So many, yeah. <laughs> I, plenty, I still be thinking that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> y'all niggas got over. Y'all got lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Am I crazy? That's what I get to judge. What's wrong Fifth with grade? Took my ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Should have smashed. Look, <laughs> okay, it will be ice cream. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go. Ice cream and cakes. <laughs> Right. Yeah, uh, but also giving me, yourself grace, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and that's another thing we don't know how to do is give ourselves grace. We beat ourselves up. Yeah, oh, you, you made the mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> move on. Like, <laughs> you did the best you could in that moment, Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could have done that better. <laughs> nah, that's me. That's me. That's a coping mechanism sometimes, man. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so. Yeah. I've been involved with so many people and had so many instances mm-hmm. where it's like. I just have to say sometimes, just for the sake of my sanity, you did the best you could. Did the best you could, bro. If that's, really, a, that's important, though, actually. <laughs> that's really important, though. Because yeah, if I really tap into, like, the moments and what I could have done in so many moments, because I, uh, unfortunately, I've always been the leader in my circles and different at different points, no matter what it is, or not even a leader, because leader, that's a bad word. Just the person who had to take accountability for the situation or who had to step up. You stepped up when nobody yeah. else, when was, nobody yeah, else. Exactly. Would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always had to be that person. And I'm telling you life, life is one of the harshest, harshest teachers mm-hmm. that it is. It's just re- relentless, like beat me up every step of the way. And, you know, sometimes I just sit back and I have to think like, damn, I did the best I could in the moments. And but you were glutton for punishment, too, because that's absolutely. one of the things I love about you is that you always willing to help people out. But it's also one of the things that I feel like hold you back absolutely. because you you involve yourself with too many people because you're trying to help. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. one thing that I had to learn that. You can't be nobody's savior. So yeah. it's like sometimes you got to get out of me and you talked about it, T. Sometimes you got to get out of your own way. Yeah. And that comes with 
you the best thing you could do with somebody is to leave them alone. Yeah, like he, I'm gonna leave you to your problems. Even and we talked in your control too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even we talked about that demo. Like it goes back to that thing of love. I seen, but what if you just love that person? Yeah, you just love that person you know so I mean? much. But it's like some mm-hmm. I love you enough that I'm not gonna allow what you're going through yeah. affect me and hurt me. That's love. Yeah. It's me getting out of the way and letting you deal with whatever you got going on. Because at the end of the day, you got to deal with it. That's why I always tell people who come to me with advice. It's like, look, do you want my advice? Because mm-hmm. what I'm going to leave with you with is that I can say whatever to you. But at the end of the day, it's up to you to fix it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, See, my problem was I seen unconditional love like change a lot of people in my life. So I started doing that with like other people also. And I was getting hurt. You know, love has conditions. Yeah, I don't care what nobody's saying. Yeah, I don't do unconditional. Yeah, because that's how you don't have boundaries, right? It doesn't mean that you give up easily on somebody. When I say that, it doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, I'm gonna ghost you, or I ain't gonna give you a chance, or I'm not gonna forgive. Because love is a lot of forgiveness, and I think a lot of people don't realize how much forgiveness. But when I say it's not unconditional, a lot of times we lack those boundaries right yeah. and we allow love to be enough influence to say to to accept things that we normally wouldn't accept yeah. or to not speak up when we know it's something that mm-hmm. bothers us there are conditions to my love you know you have me if you respect me if you are communicating with me effectively if you are you know putting equal effort and reciprocating if you are valuing me as a human being, those are the conditions. It's not unconditional. If you're not meeting those conditions, then I'm sorry. We probably just need to respectfully separate. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay. Like, it's okay to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we feel like if we say that we're not being fair or we're not truly, you know, we have this thing in our culture where we feel like love is supposed to, like, be a ticket to suffering yeah it's supposed to hurt love hurts and i don't believe in that and i think that's part of the reason why you know up until this point like i was single for so long because i'm just like i'm not willing to suffer for the sake of saying i got a nigga like it's not that important to me (laughs) like I, i mean it's one of those things where i had to go through this period where i cultivated enough in myself like i found what i liked i Gave myself love, and that's what a lot of people don't do. They take they don't take that period to give themselves mm. love. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to love yourself first, like before you can expect somebody else to love you the way you want to be loved. How can you even say, "Oh, I want X, Y, Z"? If you don't even know how to give yourself that, yeah. yeah. Some people can't stand to only deal with themselves, though. and and but th- that's because. I feel like a lot of it goes back to like that inner child, right? There's so many things that we dealt with as kids that we didn't recognize were traumatic. Like trauma is in our DNA as black people, unfortunately. And there are a lot of things that we don't realize would be categorized as trauma. And so when I look at the bad habits that I've had over the year, I can literally pinpoint it back to something that's happened in my childhood. And I think everybody can do that. Right. Like me allowing myself to get walked over in relationships goes back to me being a perfectionist as a child and and not advocating for myself when I saw people arguing because I was afraid to say something. Right. Like you can pinpoint every habit that you have back to something that you had as a kid. And so it's hard to acknowledge those dark parts of yourself because then you have to say, 
it is me. I do have flaws. And I'm broken. And those three things to say, like, hurt when, you know, you've had this facade of who you really thought you were for so long. But ultimately, like, the type of love that we all say that we want or we think that we can give until you address those things within yourself. And that's kind of, like, been my journey maybe, like, the last few years. And it's caused me to, like, lose some people. Um, Some things were my fault. Some things were, I don't really like to say fault, but there was energy from both parties that, play roles in it but ultimately like that was necessary for me to really unpack all of those things so that when I did decide to date again I could be a healthier version of myself or when I did decide to build new friendships like I could be a true friend to people and unlearning those like habits because those habits are you know 21 days you got a habit and then if you've been doing that for 20 years yeah. <laughs> you trying to unlearn that it's like hard to break that is hard. <laughs> it is hard to acknowledge those things about yourself, but better to do it for your life, you know? So, Absolutely. I think everything that you just said is key. Listen, there was a lot of gems dropped in this episode. I know you got some places to be. Uh, about what time are we looking at right now, Demo? About an hour 10. All right. Um, what do you have next? What, what else you got going on? What, what should we be looking for from, from Kyle? Yeah, so I'll probably be dropping some new things for my business end of the summer. Get some new merch and some new products. Looking at some things for the men. Some some skincare. Okay, yeah, working on all those type of things. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, I probably could get even finer with a beard. Here we now go. I'm thinking about this man here. <laughs> I'm just uh, yeah, and um, I'm working on some creative projects, some new photo shoots and stuff coming up. So. I'm always doing something. Yeah, yeah you dope. know, if you follow me on social media, y'all see I'm always doing yep, something. So yeah, you know, it'll be some things here and there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we definitely gonna uh, stay tapped in, and uh, we'll be on the lookout for. It. Listen, I appreciate you for coming on, giving us all these gems. Yeah. Man, it's important. You put on for the black women. Oh, thank you put you. on for the black women. Thank y'all for you having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but listen, uh, this is the Chat by T podcast, where we give you real, raw, authentic barbershop conversations. Until next time. Stop, stop, stop.